Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Here's Dickow from the deep corner for three. Uh-oh, uh-oh. It's on now. Downtown Dan connects. Every morning when I'm working out, I'm listening to your podcast. Keep up the great work. I mean, I've seen Dan Dicko hit some big shots in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> I got to salute you, man. Like, I've been watching you since I was in high school trying to mimic all your moves. Welcome to another episode of the ISO with myself, your host, Dan Dickow, and SB Live Sports for the Believe Podcast Network. Today's guest has immense amount of experience, immense amount of knowledge for young student athletes and their parents and coaches even to navigate the world of grassroots basketball and provide yourself the best opportunities or be put in the best spot for your level and your opportunities. Dinos Tragonis. Dinos how goes life? Because I know you've got a really busy and important weekend coming up with uh, your Pangos All-American camp, which is one of the, if not the best high school basketball events of the year. Oh, very, very busy, as you indicated, but just plugging away and, uh, you know, one day at a time. One day at a time is right. And that's uh, something that, you know, a lot of parents and coaches have had to stress to student athletes. Um before COVID, one day at a time with your recruiting. It takes one coach to, to you know, find a skill set or, or a value in your game to provide you an opportunity to play at the next level. Um, but COVID really made that difficult or more difficult for so many kids. Um, you, from what I've seen on following social media as well as your website, is you've gotten very creative in a good way to continue to provide kids opportunities. What has been the biggest challenge for you and to keep running these events to give kids these opportunities? Well, obviously it depends on the local and, and state regional jurisdiction, uh, COVID protocols. Also, obviously some states and areas were a little bit more um, easier to deal with and, and more quicker as far as reopening up to, to use sports and basketball in particular. So we had to kind of walk, we had to kind of work ourselves through that and kind of pick our spots uh, to some degree as others joined in at a later date. But it was, uh, like you said, hey, we had to get creative and sometimes, you know, more is less. And sometimes we get caught up in going to these mega 18 court, 20 court places or, tournaments with 300, 500 teams. And at the end of the day, it's, it's the, about quality, not quantity that matters to college coaches. College coaches aren't going to necessarily be attracted to you because you played in a thousand team event. You sure. know, you can play in a two team event, you know, and get a scholarship. And it's more about quality versus quantity. And, you know, find ways to, to do things on a, on a smaller scale uh, with respect to dealing with COVID and um, providing a service um, with small bits and pieces at a time. You know, you made uh, 
a really true statement, something that I, I feel is very important regardless of, of sports or business. It's quality over quantity. Uh, you provide great service. I've, I've heard nothing but the best of, uh, you know, comments and, and recommendations about the events that you run. Now, you're preparing for your biggest camp of the year or, or your most uh, known camp of the year, yeah. the Angles All-American camp. Um, from what I know, uh, it's the it's the premier individual camp of the year where kids get individual some instruction, some games. Uh, they get a chance to, to work with really high-level coaches. It reminds me a lot of where you and my paths first crossed, which would have been the Nike All-American camp. Uh, back in 1996. So for people that don't know and, and remember or realize what it used to be like, it was the Nike All-American Camp. It was the a Adidas ABCD. Um, but everything has changed over the years. Your event has really kind of taken front and center for an individual camp type experience. How have you grown that over the years? Well, I think it's safe to say it's kind of evolved in the probably top two camp of its kind. Uh, with the NBA Players Association camp, which they also do a fantastic job. Normally, every mid-June, I think this year they're, it appears that they're moving it to the later part of the summer. I don't think they've made an official announcement yet, but it sounds like at the end of end of July, maybe early August, is where they're going. And they, and they do an excellent job with the life skills. And um, I think the key thing from my standpoint, like I said, I, I have served as a coach at the Nike All-American camp. Oh, uh, when you played there, George Raveling was the director. I obviously know Sonny Vaccaro very well, who does the ABCD, had did the ABCD camp for many, many years. And those were great camps, and they served a purpose. And they had a place in their period of time or their era, for lack of a better word. And the camps then were more, the mentality was, hey, we're going to go somewhere for a whole week. And we're going to run these little damn dick owls into the ground, drill after drill after drill. And we're going to play games at night and this and that. I think ultimately as time went on in the 90s when you played and in the 2000s and now up to the 2010s, 2020s, the calendar is so crowded with activity for these kids between the high school season, between the travel club season, between the individual camps and showcases, that model kind of outdated itself because there wasn't a lot of time to put a week in to the calendar for that type of camp. And number two, the wear and tear on these young players' bodies, it wasn't an optimum idea to run them to the ground after they've already been run for weekend after weekend in tournaments. And after they're done with your camp, they're off to three or four more weekends. So that's why, if you remember, when you played, when you got to the end of the summer, you were basically on life support from an energy standpoint, health standpoint, et cetera. So I came, I became a little more creative with having a shorter camp, having these kids get seen over four games, get um, a decent amount of instruction, not as much as I'd like, but, but enough to where they can benefit from it. And I've had you know, Earl Watson, who pl played the NBA, was the NBA head coach, is doing the skills this weekend in Vegas and did it last time. And Dave Miller was for a, for a long time, long time college coach, NBA assistant coach, TV um, broadcaster. He did it before then. And we focused more on having 
a quality of maybe three hours of instruction over two days instead of 20 hours over five days. And just, just the, the realistic, pragmatic um, dynamics involved there um, have to be understood because again, uh, you're dealing with so many different variables. When they get to my camp, my camp is occupied for almost 20 years the weekend after Memorial Day. Back when I, when I did that, there was nothing going on there. That's why I picked that date. And it, to the most degree, with minor exceptions, there's really nothing else that competes with it uh, for grandeur or attention because of, of how it's evolved and the fact that we're NBA certified now and, and we're expecting 30 NBA teams this week. We had 29 in 2019. So with the NBA team showing up, it's not hard to recruit players sure. to the camp. So, um, but, but if I has a niche, and, and that's why we, we start on a Friday night, we let them have the whole day to arrive, get situated. Uh, the second day, we don't start till one o'clock, let them sleep in. We're not up trying to drive them to the dirt. And we get a good quality camp. They have fun, they go hard. They get what they need out of it. The media and scouts like Frank Bertelson and the NBA teams get what they need out of it and they get they go on to the next thing. So I think ultimately, I think the problem we have in a lot of these events, in my opinion, is nobody's really focusing on what's the best quality situation for the kid and the evaluators and, and using that as the core principle to construct whatever event you're doing. They just, they just want to throw things down or just be a money grab or to cram as many people as they can in. And they, they don't understand the dynamics involved and, and the key of why you're doing it. You're not doing it just to do it. You're yeah. doing it for the kids to benefit, for the scouts and, and the teams that come there from the NBA to benefit. And that's why it has to have more of a awareness of everybody involved than just the event, you know, guys playing. Yeah, I love that breakdown of, of why the, the schedule is the way it is. Because I, I would agree with you in, in so many of the youth events that I've seen or I'm now becoming a part of because my, my son is getting to that age where, you know, he travels a little bit with, with his club team, um, that it's go, go, go. And if you want to play every single weekend um, from the end of the high school season to the start of the high school season, you can. And you're right in that it's just too much. I look back at that summer that I was at the Nike camp I was a 17-year-old kid, and I think I was on. I was away from home from like July 2nd to August 1st. And where's the time for skill development? Where's the time to be a kid? Where's the time to just get away from it and, and kind of process things if you're being recruited and, and get away and, and talk about? Well, Dan, well, they 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 reacted to that after you were done playing, but they created the opposite re result. Instead of finding a happy medium, now they have two few days. Yes. Normally they, they, they had they have two in April and now one in July because of the Condoleezza Rice Commission and the Grand Hill Commission and all that. And they basically added the two weekends that were lost in April because of COVID consecutively in July recently. Now that you may say, well, that should be enough. You know, it sounds right. But, you know, but the mistake the NCAA is making is they are assuming a one-size-fits-all D1 recruiting model. Yes. 
And for Washington or Gonzaga or UCLA, having 10 days may be enough. For Eastern Washington, for Portland University, for Santa Clara, it may not be enough. They have to see more guys. So you're almost like penalizing the non-power schools. And even though they have a disadvantage off the tip, because they don't have the facilities, they don't have the resources, they don't have the tradition, you're making them even have a bigger disadvantage because you're making their job even much harder now to find those diamonds in the rough, those sleepers, to make that pinpoint evaluation of just one time. And now you see the influx, not just recently with the transfer portal, but the transfer epidemic has been going on for a long time. And a large part of that is due, due to misevaluations. Yeah. Because you're seeing somebody one time and they're making a knee jerk evaluation. And then they're not really appreciating, in your example, you, you had decent size, but you weren't John Morant and you weren't Baron Davis. It took probably somebody four or five games to realize how high your basketball IQ was and how good your decision making was and how smart you were with the ball. That doesn't happen in one game, obviously. Yeah. If you're six, seven, like Magic Johnson, six, eight, boom, that happens. But not everybody is like that. And the guys you played at Gonzaga, Brooke Stepp, another good example. That guy's not a guy that wins a duty contest. That's a guy that knows how to play, makes big shots. But it takes a while to get to, to appreciate that guy. And by them shrinking the calendar and even allowing the shoe companies to monopolize it by going every weekend and not allowing more interaction between teams and, and shoe company teams and independent teams, because there are a lot of good talent on non-shoe company teams yeah. that are being overlooked because they're not in the same location. And that's why I think that's why the Nike camp was important. The ABCD camp, because it didn't matter what team you were. If you were good enough, you were going to be invited. Yeah. Nike would have 200. ABCD would have 230. It would be 430 kids. It would be a good sample size. Now my camp, because of the nature of, of, of the weekend and the space, I'm down to about 100 to 120, which is a lot more selective than Nike or ABCD was. ABCD camp at Nike could take more kids and have a little bit more for something. If you remember, the atmosphere of those camps were terrific. Yeah. You had, there was a buzz in the gym. 100%. The coaches were there. It was, it was electric. You felt it. There were coaches who were watching. Scouts were watching. The players knew it. The players were playing hard. And you had a kind of a good energy. Now, the difference here is with these dead period camps, you have scouts are there and you have more of the live stream now. We got the technology. So coaches are watching and they're making decisions. And with the NBA teams there, the, there is energy. We have kind of an intimate environment with three courts and we try to make it as fun as possible so the kids, kids don't get burnt out or get, you know, too overstressed. I want to take a moment to tell you about some exciting news for high school sports fans across the country. SB Live Sports has launched a free iPhone and Android app featuring the latest high school sports news, scores, videos, polls, photos, podcasts, player rankings, and much more. 
With the SB Live Sports app, it is now even easier to follow your favorite team. With real-time scores and news alerts, as well as video highlights, podcasts, photo galleries, rankings, game coverage, and much more, the app delivers all the content you want in one convenient place. The SB Live Sports app features exclusive content from on-the-ground reporters across the country, and it's the number one source for Washington high school sports fans. With coverage from reporters Todd Millis and Andy Bueller, me, Dan Dickow, SB Live's recruiting expert, this SB Live sports app is available at no charge in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Download it today. I love that description and, and the breakdown of, of how the teams that don't have the amount of resources, the travel, the, the private jets to get to these events, um, to be able to find the yeah, right guy. Example, example. Yeah. I know the people at Adidas. They're good people. I'm, I'm one of my best friends. I partners, A.W.M. was a main guy at Adidas. But why are they going to Hoover, Alabama? Why are they going to Omaha, Nebraska? They're still going there because they were recruited there. They got certain perks or whatever. And they may have nice facilities there, but it's not centrally located. I mean, Calipari can fly into Hoover, Alabama, no problem, or Omaha. Cal State Northridge can't. They yeah. got to get one or two connections. You're not making it easier for all the coaches to recruit your players. You're actually doing your, your teams a disservice because – even on the Adidas team, and even Nike, not everybody is a high major. You have mid-majors. You may even have low majors. You have guys who think they're high major will end up at low major. You have a whole shebang. Why aren't you making it easier for the college coaches to watch all those guys there instead of making them go on a, you know, Lewis and Clark expedition trying to get somewhere Driving five hours to the nearest airport, it's, it's just not smart. And yeah. they're not thinking about the whole picture. They're thinking, hey, we're just going to go there and they're going to come. Well, how about making it easier for those teams to come? Yeah, what about that? For the, the, make it easier for the coaches to get there. Make it easier for the players to get there. I, I, I love that breakdown, as I mentioned. I think that makes a total amount of sense. Now, when we look at your Pangos All-American camp that's coming up, you mentioned 100 to 120 players or so. Um, you talked about, uh, I believe, all 30 NBA teams will be re represented. Um, and there's a, a, an excitement in the building. When you get there and you're setting everything up and you're connecting, making sure everything's running well, how big of a relief is it to just sit back and watch great basketball knowing all the work that you had put into it. Well, actually, that that moment probably doesn't happen until the last <laughs> guy gets on the plane home. <laughs> it probably true. But actually, you know, once we get set up, it's, it's like a kick-starting a, a go-kart or, or an old car. Once you get it going, it kind of is a sense of relief. So to some degree, we, we do have, you know, issues uh, that come up. And and uh, I want to give you a quick story, one of which we, we normally been in California for 18 years prior to this year, about a month and a half ago, with California um, not being uncertain when they were, were gonna open, and when the facility that I normally use, Cerritos College in the last several years, was gonna be open, still not open officially. I had to make a decision, so I ended up going to Vegas. I knew the people there at the Tarkanian. It was a private facility. 
Vegas was starting to turn the corner. It's actually much more wide open now than I thought it was going to be as far as restrictions, really no restrictions other than the ones we put up, put ourselves on there. And we're requiring, um, asking all the scouts and teams and media to have either a negative COVID test or being vaccinated to help make it a much more safer environment for everybody. But um, going back to your original question, uh, once it gets going, you know, it has kind of a life of its own. And, and because we have the court are kind of parallel to each other, you have a certain sense of um, um, kind of a, not a playground feel, but people are, are close. They're not distant. So you can hear the kids talk to each other. You can feel them breathe. You know, Anthony Edwards had a um, um, monster dunk that put him on the map a couple of years ago, if you remember, over Johnny Juzang, one of the heroes of the Final Four. And um, they didn't even know each other at the time. Johnny didn't know Anthony Edwards was going to be the number one pick. And Anthony Edwards didn't know he just dunked on a guy who was an all-tournament in the Final Four. And then you also had Precious Achua, who was a first-round pick um, from Miami this past year, had a monster dunk over Bobo that made headlines uh, with Doug Gottlieb in attendance right below the basket. And his expression said it all. But it, it has kind of an intimate feel, and even the previous gym. So it kind of creates a good discussion, a good uh, environment. And, and people feel that they're in the game. Yeah. And the people that are watching are part of the game. And the people that are evaluating are getting a very close, up close evaluation. Like the NBA PA camp, they make us sit in the upper second level. And even though there's good play going on, you're at a distance. You can see them, but it doesn't have the same energy as when somebody is courtside. Because sure. basically the media is courtside, the scouts are courtside, the parents are courtside. Uh, we normally have a, a uh, two Pac-12 officials, Bruce Hicks and Frank Harvey, they do a referee clinic. So they, they have a, a very nice um, referee situation there as well. So it, it, they're wearing full dress and it, it has kind of a it, – it's a game, but it's also a fun game. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great kind of setup of, of how the uh, environment is. Now, I remember the excitement that I had when I got invited to, to Nike All-American Camp. You know, I grew up just outside the Portland area in Vancouver, Washington, not necessarily a huge hoops hotbed. Um, I was being recruited by a number of schools, but at the same time, you know, I knew if I go to Nike All-American Camp and I play well, I've got a chance to be in front of a lot of other coaches. I go to Nike, I play really well, and, and my recruitment – really kind of took off. Um, has there been a player or two at your camp that you knew they belonged, you knew they needed to be at the camp because they were good enough and your your network of connections and coaches that you know uh, recommended them to be there, you wanted them to be there, but then they get there and they just, boom, they surprise everybody uh, and really kind of make a, 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 the next step in their recruitment or their their process as a player. Well, one comes to mind a long time ago. Anthony Randolph was relatively unknown. Nobody really knew him. And, and uh, he went and ended up going to LSU and was a first-round pick, I believe, playing the NBA for a couple of years. I don't think he – nobody even knew him before the, my camp happened. Anthony, Anthony Randolph was probably one of them. I'm trying to think there's uh, probably several others as well um, that that uh, used it as kind of a you – know, Cole Anthony was there as a freshman. 
and really served notice that he was, you know, a, you know, I was being just not more than Greg's son and a premier playmaker in his own right. And he had that driving desire. You could, you could see from an early age to be great. And you saw it in his eyes. You saw it in his play. Um, those are the two that come to mind. There's probably several other examples as well, but uh, Randolph is the one that was basically nobody even knew who he was at that point. Yeah. So, and then we had guys that, that came there that, um, you know, solidified themselves. Uh, Brandon Jennings, um, Ben, actually Ben Simmons was the, his first time he ever played in the U.S. I believe at a camp was as a freshman going to be a sophomore. Okay. That's the first time anybody really laid eyes on, on him and the word got out and he was recruited to Montverde in, in the Academy in Florida and the rest is history. So, um, I remember picking his dad up in the airport to him and going to have breakfast overlooking the water in Long Beach. And, and they got in a couple of days early to get acclimated to the time change. And um, he obviously became a number one pick. And DeAndre Aton, as, as an eighth grader, was at the camp and really served notice. So we've had a lot of good stories. And uh, uh, a lot of the Anthony Edwards, too, was probably in the 50 to 60 range. As a, as a sophomore, going to be a rising junior. And people don't realize Anthony Edwards was supposed to be in this year's class, high school class. Yeah, wow. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. He, he, he would have been, been a, I'm sorry, a yeah. freshman in last year's college class. Sure, sure. So he's, he, he should have been in this year's draft. And now he's putting together uh, a heck of an early run in his NBA. Yeah, I think him and, him and Mello Ball are probably the two favorites for rookie of the year yeah. based upon what they did this year. You know, you mentioned a lot of great names that kind of uh, kind of elevated them, their play at your camp and, and kind of took their careers uh, and, and progressed them quickly. You know, me being from Gonzaga, follow the program closely. There was another point guard that came recently. He's having a tremendous career over in Europe right now, Kevin Pangos. Oh. Now, I get the name Kevin Pangos asked to me all the time, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, but people always ask me about the Pangos – events is that kevin pangos and his family that run it and i always have to say no that's just the, well, that's actually, just the, the, the uh, number the number one the number one regret in the history of my camp was not inviting kevin pangos <laughs> to the pangos camp now i know his dad and, and, and i apologize if i get his name wrong is it bill pangos I, I believe so yeah i think the dad's bill he's a basketball um coach in a and figure of his own uh, right and fortitude in the, in, the, in the Canada area. And I had become aware of them. And, and for whatever reason, I wasn't able to, to, to make contact with them looking back on it. And I probably should have tried a little bit harder. So be, being that the one regret that we didn't have <laughs> Kevin Pangos at Pangos. <laughs> <laughs> I had to ask that question because like I said, I've been asked that a number of times over the year and you're right. Uh, his dad is a well-connected coach in the Toronto area. So with that being said, how do you come, how'd you come up with the name Pangos uh, for your events? Well, it was kind of, we were trying to think of something catchy and something unique and something that represented um, um, basketball, the ball, the globe, worldwide. And in and, and Greek, Pan, if you were Pan American, means all of America. Pan American Airlines, Pan American Games. Um, 
in, the, in Greek, ancient Greek, the word uh, for world is gosmos. Like in Greek, when you talk about the World Soccer Cup, yeah, it's the pan gosmos kipolo. Kipolo mean cup, pan all gosmos world, world cup, all world yeah. cup. So in in the U.S., for some reason, when it got translated, like Cosmopolitan Hotel, Cosmopolitan Magazine, they somehow, for whatever reason, English turned the G into a C. But it's really a G when you really yeah. pronounce it correctly in Greek. So Pangos is kind of short for Pangosmos, okay. meaning worldwide universal, the ball's round. Yeah, you know, kind of a, something a little bit different, unique um, that, that nobody else pro would probably have thought of. So that's how yeah. that kind of went down in a nutshell. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I, uh, this is great. I learned I learned a lot of history right there as well. Um, Dinos, I really appreciate the time. I know you've got a million things to go uh, get done before the event starts. Uh, I believe it's June 6th through the 8th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and we're holding yeah, this. Yeah, we normally go during the weekends. As you know, here in the West Coast, California, Port, uh, Oregon, Washington, I think they're still playing yeah. games. So when I was coming up with the calendar for the weekend, going back to what we talked about, thinking about not just the camp, but how it affects the parents, the kids, we came up with the idea of, hey, maybe what we'll do is in the facility at that point, there was something already in there earlier in the weekend. So I decided to do a Sunday night through Tuesday. I basically moved Friday night through Sunday afternoon. Sure. The Sunday night through Tuesday. And a large part of that was to allow a lot of the West Coast media, who like Frank Burleson, for them to cover their high school games they need to see and then come to the camp. Yeah. And see what they normally see there too. At the same time, as you know, hotel prices in, in Las Vegas. Sunday through Thursday is a dramatically lower than it is Friday and Saturday. So that really helps the parents and the people coming into town, the media and the scouts makes it much more affordable for them um, to get rooms Sunday night to Monday, Tuesday, than it would have been Friday, Saturday. And I'll give you one example. I was in Vegas a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago for a camp during a weekend and I'm not sure whether people were tired of just being inside, but the, the Vegas the traffic in Vegas the last month has been dramatically up. It's packed. I mean, there were rooms at Motel 6 for 200 bucks a night two weekends ago on a Friday, Saturday. Well, hopefully that, means, hopefully that means uh, the world is healing. We're getting back to Yeah, we're getting, you know, Vegas is coming back, but also, too, I think ultimately, so uh, parents, uh, no matter where they're from, you know, having a chance to, to go there and not, not be hit with a big hotel bill yeah. uh, was on my mind as well. So we kind of able to make things work and, and kind of kill a lot of birds with one stone. Yes. Well, Dinos, again, I appreciate the time. I know you got a lot going. Uh, you had a ton of incredible insight that hopefully some of our listeners uh, can use as they help navigate, you know, whether it's their own kids career or maybe their own player's career if they're a coach. So thanks again for joining and hopefully yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. Great to see you. Yep. Hopefully my career, my son's career, I will see you at one of your events sometime soon. Oh, hopefully soon. All right. Hey, what great, great to see you, son. Great to see you.
He's an eighth grader. Eighth. Um, so the next couple of years is when. Yeah, we'll get him to the get him to the Pangos All Frost Soft Camp next fall. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I'll keep it in mind. I'll reach out for it. So. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, know. All right, buddy. Yeah. Talk to you soon. Yep. The ISO with Dan Dickow and SB Live Sports, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.